Welcome to the Dear Menopause podcast, where we discuss the menopause transition to help make everyday life a little easier for women. Hi, this is Sonia, and I am the host of Dear Menopause. Today, you are going to be listening to part two of my conversation with Alex Isaac, and we are focusing today on Alex's journey after her surgically induced menopause. Now, if you missed part one of my chat with Alex, I do recommend that you go back and listen to last week's episode before you settle into listening to this episode. Everything will make a whole lot more sense if you do. I have loved chatting with Alex, her openness, her transparency, her willingness to share her story so that others can learn from her and be inspired by the journey and research that she went on has been incredibly courageous and I'm incredibly grateful. Enjoy. Alex, when we finished the last part of our conversation, we had just touched on the fact that you had finished up having your preventative surgeries that had put you into your surgically induced menopause. I did a lot of research before my hysterectomy and oophorectomy into HRT because I, I actually didn't even want to consider the preventative surgery unless I knew there was treatment options um, that would help me navigate menopause, surgical menopause. So, you know, a, a lot of my research touched on obviously estrogen, testosterone, you know, progestogens. So I, I'd done a lot of the research beforehand. So I knew going into the surgery what to expect, but there's nothing quite like feeling it, is there? I um, proposed the concept to my surgeon that maybe I would start HRT before the surgery. She didn't think that was worthwhile which I understand now but she she proposed that I start my HRT a, a few days after my surgery um, which I challenged because my understanding was that really your ovaries my ovaries would stop producing the hormones within about 12 to 24 hours so I, I proposed the idea that we start HRT on day one because I couldn't see why not and she said go for it if that's what you want to do so that's I feel and I feel like this is a common thread with surgical menopause, menopause, HRT is a lot of the advice out there. Is, you know, you have to you have to be well researched yourself, and you have to get your head around your own menopause journey because a lot of the advice out there is patient driven. A lot of self advocacy. So yeah, which is a bit scary for a lot of people, and and me included. You know, is uh, this is a new area of research for me, the whole menopause and hormones. I've learned a lot, um, but I really felt like I was driving conversation with a lot of medical professionals I was talking to. I had the surgery, started HRT on day one. I think really, uh, well, I started on estrogen only because I've had my uterus removed. So I did not need to do the progestogens if I don't want to. I probably could if I wanted to. That's another, that's, that's something that we'll discuss a little, you know, down the track. But yeah, so I started with the estradiol gel or Sandrina is now what I've moved over to because it's just a little bit easier in the sachets. Um, I found within about two weeks, I, I didn't have any hot flushes, um, but I started feeling some heart palpitations at night and having some sleep disturbances. And I, started feeling 
anxious, which for me was completely new. I'm a very, uh, I've never had these feelings before ever in my life. So it was very clear to me that it was hormone related. Spoke to my GP, the one, I don't know if I'm allowed to say a name. <laughs> Let's just <laughs> leave it as you spoke to your GP. I spoke to my GP, who's phenomenal. And she said, well, let's, let's step up your, your dosage by about another half on what you're on. And that nipped in the bud, that fixed it immediately. So to me, I feel like it's, you know, the, the, the anxiousness, the, those feelings, the sleeplessness, the heart palpitations, it's so clear for me that they are related to hormones and nothing else because I literally went into hormone, uh, into menopause overnight. So it could, really can't be anything else given yeah. I've never felt those feelings before. Ever. Yeah, there was such a clear line in the sand yeah. for you, wasn't there, of Absolutely. I had these hormones and now all of a sudden I don't have these hormones. Coinciding with that is this, this symptomology, okay, there has to be a yeah, correlation no between the two. And I think also the other great takeaway from that is you know, what you, you've got such a great relationship with your GP and I know your GP, she is so well-educated when it comes to using hormone therapies with her patients. The big takeaway with that is talk to your GP, get a good GP that is across using hormone therapies because every woman's experience is going to be so unique and you have to be able to tweak your hormone therapies. So it might be that you need to either up or pull back on one, whether it's the progesterone or the estrogen or the testosterone, if you're, you know, if that's something that you've you've added in with the mix as well. It's never, it's not a cookie cutter prescription. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And and that's another thing that my GP suggested, which is it's really nice to be relying on a GP that is making suggestions because up until this point, again, as I mentioned, it'd been very, the the conversation had been driven by me, uh, but she proposed the idea that we try out some testosterone because, you know, up until two weeks ago, my body was naturally producing good solid amounts of testosterone and now it wasn't. So we started with that as well and that's helped immensely. But I, I, I will I will say probably a lot of your your listeners out there might be struggling to find a GP that will have these conversations with them. You know, it is it is I I still find it's quite difficult in Sydney, Australia to find a GP that is confident enough to to talk about the various different types of HRT and to talk about HRT at all or needing HRT and I I really search hard to find a GP that would welcome that discussion. I, you know, I looked on the, I think it's the Australian Menopause Society. Website, yeah. They've got a website with some GPs that are across this. So I looked there. I, you know, asked friends, family, women in our local area. It took me a good six months to find this amazing GP who is across it. So, yeah. And that's interesting. So I'd like to just step back from that a moment because obviously, you know, you, you were seeing a specialist, a surgeon. Yeah. What support did you, I mean, obviously she was your first prescriber of your hormone therapy. What support did you get from her after that initial prescription? So I received the initial prescription. She knew, we knew I would have a surgical follow-up. So I suppose the assumption is that I would mention any symptoms if I had any. 
Um, but other than the initial script that she gave me for just Easter Dial, that was it. I prompted the discussion about testosterone uh, and she said we could discuss testosterone in the future if I had a lowered libido. So that was the end of the discussion with the specialist about HRT. Um, so really all the other information that I gathered was through my research and from the GP. Yeah, that was basically where the HRT discussion ended was after estradiol. Would you say that you felt that that side of the conversation was lacking considering she was the person, maybe not lacking, but was perhaps not as supportive as it could be, considering she was the person that took away your hormones? Yeah, I mean... Who is responsible for this discussion, I suppose? You'd think it would be your gynecologist. Ultimately, maybe that specialist doesn't, I mean, they feel that they're responsible for getting you off the ground, but ultimately they're a surgeon, right? So I don't know. I guess there's a shortfall there. Who? who There is, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, that was my experience with the medically induced menopause. You know, right. mine was mine was caused by my oncologist, if you like. So he was the one that administered the chemo, which was the drugs that created my medically induced menopause. But then there's this gap that you yeah. fall through when you leave their care to, you know, and like you, I had to go on my own journey of discovery and find it, you know, ultimately a GP. And I'm still struggling with the whole being denied hormone therapy argument, which we're not going to go into here today. There is a gap after your care from these specialists of making sure that you're being cared for and looked after from a menopause perspective that I think we need to do a whole lot better for our women. Well, like, you know, like you said, it's actually also not just HRT, right? It's then, you know, bone density scans. Oh, it's, yeah. Right. And and dietary and exercise. And menopause is not just a point in time and then you're done and you're over. This is it. I'm going to be in menopause. I will be longer in menopause in my lifetime than out of menopause. Absolutely. Right. And so then is it the next step? Is it an endocrinologist? Well, why do I need to be seeing an endocrinologist for the rest of my life? That's insane. But it's also, you know, menopause puts all women. And so the earlier that you go into your menopause, the the more these things become important. You know, yes, you've touched on the bone health, cardiovascular health becomes very important because women's risk of dying from heart disease increases once you're in a menopausal state. Risks of dementia are, are increased, and particularly if there's family history there. I know there's still some research being done around that, but there is believed to be a, a link there. Someone like yourself that has gone into their menopause at such an early age, we have to be considering these factors. And that's where I find that this gap that exists between being handed over by the surgeon to finding a GP that was confident and competent enough to be able to care for you should not exist. Right. And and so the GP should be the person confident enough to manage this because otherwise what's going to end up happening is few years down the track, well, hopefully not a few years, hopefully women are onto their symptoms. But for example, mental health. So let's say a woman's struggling with her mental health and her anxiety and she goes to see a counsellor or a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Should they then be informed and trained with HRT or at least with hormones and hormones? Right. So then also, yeah, as you said, the cardiologist. So let's say a woman presents with heart issues. So do they need to be trained with 
menopause treatment, HRT treatment, bone specialists, you know, as you said, insulin resistance, diabetes, dietitians, you know, I mean, it's just the, the impact is so far reaching. So either do all these specialists need to be trained, can the GP be up to speed so that we can avoid these people needing to see a specialist to start with? But we definitely need to remove the onus from the woman being the one that has to go and do the research and be the advocate for herself to join all these dots and put the pieces together herself. Right, correct. Because we put a certain amount of trust in our medical experts, you know, and and professionals, and we should be able to. Of course, we need to make the decision for ourselves. But it'd be lovely to have the guidance and the trained expertise to give us the right advice. Absolutely. So how are you feeling today? Good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm feeling great. I'm on my estrogen, estradiol, and I'm I'm on my tea. I've got it all. (laughs) Yeah, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling really good. It's it's definitely settling in. So, yeah, I'm feeling maybe even better than I was. Who knows? Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm great. Back on, back on my game. I'm 11 weeks post-surgery. So I'm almost the 12-week mark is post-hysterectomy is when you can really just do anything you like so I'm almost there next week I'll, I'll recommence my my netball career Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> I'll be jumping around the court with the best of them excellent so you are definitely leaning into the powerful post-menopausal years absolutely I like how you phrased that that's for sure I wanted to touch on quickly if it's okay before we we wrap up Your experience with your surgically induced menopause has been very different to Sarah's, your sister's. Definitely. In what way? Given her breast cancer history, was not offered HRT. In fact, when she questioned it and asked if she could do HRT, she was told she couldn't at that point. Obviously, that was very disappointing. That was after she had her um, oophorectomy, hysterectomy. She was told she couldn't do HRT because of her breast cancer history. Even though she had a double mastectomy, you know. So in in effect, she had no breast tissue left in her body. Nothing. Technically, her risk of developing breast cancer was down to two between two and four percent. The general population risk of breast cancer, I think, now we're up to like eleven or twelve percent. Am I right? So she's statistically speaking, and definitely lower than the average woman that is sitting at home drinking two glasses of wine every evening. Quite right. Insane. Uh, and still couldn't do HRT, even though, even if she wanted to, which how, I, I don't understand how they could have that sort of control. So she challenged it for years, has finally found a GP that is on board with her. And so now after experiencing significant menopause symptoms, unfortunately for her for years, has now started her HRT journey finally with me we're doing it together how is she feeling she's so much she's wonderful so good brilliant and we both we love the estradiol um we love the testosterone it's brilliant she was advised though not to rub the testosterone on the inside of her leg for fear of transfer turning turning into a horny 16 year old boy (laughs) So, yes, so she's been advised not so naturally. We're both rubbing it on the inside of our legs. Of course you are. <laughs> Much to your husband's delight, I would imagine. <laughs> Can't keep a good woman down. 
<laughs> no, I mean, we laugh, but I'm so happy to hear that, you know, Sarah has found a doctor to work with that is giving her that relief. And after years of, of really struggling with what I could imagine were probably some pretty severe symptoms. She's doing so. Seeing the light. Yeah, and she's seeing the light, physically presents so much better. She, she's got this pep in her step and a bounce and she's looking fit and fabulous. And I know in terms of her health, She's now moved away from, she had started on a, um, a tablet and I spoke to her um, when I started on an estradiol and we we're kind of in the journey together. I recommended that she consider the gel because of the, when you take a tablet, it can increase your risk of cholesterol. So obviously your body has to process, process it through friend. the liver. Yep. Um, so that's been a big benefit for her as well, going on the gel. Um, so we'll see how what how, what impact over the next couple of months that has on her cholesterol um, and reducing some because she does have some high cholesterol issues there. So which is another so marker that does elevate for many women. Definitely, um, big impact for both of us. So and you know what, um, <laughs> and we can edit this out if you would like me to, but I. I know how big an impact it's had on the two of you because your mum is also considering taking some some hormone therapy for the first time. I want, to, I want to get her across the line. Dad wants to get her across the line, but I don't want to know. La, 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 la. Your mum's looking at you two going, these girls are having way too much fun. Yeah, I need right. to be in on this. We'll get her, we'll get her some um, HRT for Christmas. <laughs> Oh my, oh my gosh, there is a pharmaceutical company out there that is going to run with this marketing idea. There's going to be an HRT advent calendar. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. Brilliant. And that is a brilliant note to wrap oh, up idea. on. Let's leave that for the pharmaceutical companies to run with. Alex, thank you so much for your time. I am so appreciative of you for sharing your story. You know, you are glowing. It has been such a pleasure to um, sit down and chat with you. I really hope that there are others listening that will learn from this and that will perhaps be inspired to go and take their own action as a result. Thanks so much for having me, Sonia. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening today. I am so grateful to have these conversations with incredible women and experts. And I'm grateful that you chose to hit play on this episode of Dear Menopause. If you have a minute of time today, please leave a rating or a review. I would love to hear from you because you are my biggest driver for doing this work. If this chat went way too fast for you and you want more, head over to stellawomen.com.au slash podcast for the show notes And while you're there, take my midlife quiz to see why it feels like midlife is messing with your head. 